I'm Jack Moylan, and you're listening to Let's Talk Business, a podcast geared towards young professionals served with a side of witty commentary. At Lutz, we rally around the mantra, make light, meaning be lighthearted, illuminate solutions, and create energy. We hope this episode will do just that. Let's make the complex simple. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Business. Today, we're going to talk about career paths, uh, changing career paths, and a couple different perspectives on them, so I'm really excited to say that here with us again is Let's Talent shareholder Chris Bouchard and HR manager Robbie Renshaw. So thank you guys again for joining us another time. I know we always have fun when we get a chance to talk. So if you could, Robbie, I'll I'll let you start, give an introduction and kind of what it is you do and maybe your interesting perspective on the topic. And then Chris, that'd be great. Awesome. Thanks, Jack. So name is Robbie Renshaw. I've uh, had the pleasure of calling Let's Home Now for six years. Still feels like six months. The only difference is I can't give the excuse when I mess up that I'm a newbie. Still trying to use it, but not <laughs> not really successful. Uh, so work on the HR team, wear a lot of different hats involved in feedback, retention efforts, engagement. But my main focus is recruiting internally, specifically uh, campus recruiting, and then as well as our non-campus hires. So excited to talk on this topic today. I think I can provide uh, just good insight from my role, but then also my personal experience kind of doing some career transitions along the way. Cool. Chris? Jack, thank you. Robbie, thank you. Thank you, Chris. So I've been a a seasoned individual, so I've got uh, a good 20-plus years of experience. Been at Lutz for four and a half years leading the talent division. So our talent division assists not only hiring internally with Robbie's team, outside clients help them hire their people, whether that's direct hire, consulting, or temporary in the niches of accounting, finance, human resources, and office administration. So we're dealing with candidates every day that are looking at making a career move and the changes they go through. And of course, I've got a lot of experience uh, making that change myself a couple times. Awesome. Well, personally, I think, you know, I I would prefer we just start there. Why have you as individuals maybe changed your career path? And what was that experience like? They're pointing at each other. Yeah. Robbie, I think. <laughs> Rock, paper, you're, scissors. You're, yeah, okay, I'll, t- I'll take the lead on this one. My situation was a little unique um, just because I was a non-traditional student. So without boring you all to death with my entire life story, but graduated high school, thought I was going to be a therapist. Now that I look back, it's kind of a weird aspiration to have as a child, like a 10-year-old, be like, oh, I want to be a therapist. But I did. You no. feel, honestly, <laughs> you, you provide a lot of therapy when, okay. when you get a chance to talk. Thank you. Yes. I appreciate yeah. that. So graduated, went to, took some time off, got my associates, went to UNO, and then graduated from Bellevue. When I first started my quote-unquote professional career, I was in the nonprofit sector, specifically focusing on fundraising. That's what I thought I wanted to do because, you know, I wanted to have meaningful work, give back, connect to the community. And just through that experience alone, it was really gratifying, but it it wasn't itching that scratch. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I want to do more. You know, and even going back to when I was younger, I got my very first job when I was 13 years old. Don't tell Taco John's, but I lied on my application to get a job. That's like the most. <laughs> that's like the most city See, version yes, of someone lying yeah, to know, go to the, go I to know, war. I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, let me in. Yeah, um, I'm ready. So I remember what what kind of got me to this point. So I pursued industrial organizational psychology in in college, and it was really focused on the psychology of the workplace. And then going back to my experience, starting my first job at 13, I've been working consecutively since then. I remember being at like 
even retail or, you know, fast food places. And they gave me phenomenal experience that I still utilize to this day. But I would sit there and go, this is why your people aren't happy. How do you not see this? Like, take better care of them, give them better pay. And that was kind of my driving force. So that was kind of always in the back of my head. Even when I was, you know, doing the nonprofit stuff, I really, really loved it. But I just, I realized I needed to work at an organization specifically in a field where I could have more direct one-on-one impact. Sure. So. Interesting. Chris? Well, I didn't start working until I was 14. So oh, jeez. Okay. Yeah. But, I did, but I didn't lie on my application. <laughs> um, Don't tell my boss. <laughs> so my background started, grew up in small farming community, walked beans, tasseled corn, did whatever you could. Yep. Went to college, played basketball. Unfortunately, that that didn't work out, so that, that, that was never going to be. Got through college, didn't know what I really wanted to do. So got hired out of college by one of the companies that came to campus on a recruiting thing. I think right. most companies do that. And got in the management program with Walmart and thought that was going to be my calling. Hard work, didn't have any tie-downs, moved six times my first five years with them. Lovely girlfriend at the time became my wife. Started moving with me, which was a lot of fun. God bless her. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Got back to the Midwest and basically close to home, opening a Walmart store. The minute we bought our first house, they wanted me to move again. And my lovely wife at that time, after we had our first baby, said, no, we're not mm-hmm. going to move. And I was pretty excited about moving again, but she wasn't. So retail for 13 years, moving nights, weekends, holidays. Basically, what it came down to me was a lifestyle change. So, loved retail, loved the pace of it. Didn't necessarily care for the 75 hours a week, nights, weekends, and holidays. But after having a child, I wasn't going to see my kids grow up. So, that that made me sit back and say, hey, it's been 13 years. What are you going to do next? And that was hard figuring that out. What should I do next? I had a friend that I went to college with who was an executive recruiter and I called him out of the blue one day and I said, Hey, I need to figure out what it is when I, what I want to be when I grow up because it's been 13 years. <laughs> and he's I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and he gave me an assignment that I think helps a lot of people out. And I give this to a lot of people when they don't know what they want to do next, but they know they're not happy. And he made me figure out the five things I really need in life to be happy, smile and successful. And it was a tough assignment, but it was one of the great ones. He made me write down on a legal pad, everything I've done in any of the roles any of the titles, any of the jobs I had from college on. And I did that. And then he, then he said, let, let that set for a day. And I had like seven pages or more than that double lined of things. And he said, now go back to it. And you only get five things on the, that list. What would they be? And that was really tough to do. But it made me figure out who I am as a person. And my five things, I can reel them off the top of my hand just like any other time. Number one, I need to be around people all day, every day with the team face-to-face. I'm a people person. Number two, I have to go 110 mile an hour. I'm pretty sure I'm an ADD. I didn't prescribe when I was a kid, but both my boys are. So I got to have more on my plate than I can ever get done. Number three was something that was going to allow me to have a better work-life balance for my family. And that's different for everybody today. Everybody wants work-life balance. Mm -hmm. To me, what it was is flexibility. I don't mind working a 50-hour work week, but I want to come and go to my kids' events and not miss things. And I'm a big boy. I'm a professional. My job's always going to get done. That was important. Next one was something that compensated me for what I did. We all like money. And I think the biggest thing is we feel like we need to be compensated for the value we bring a company. That was important to me. And the last thing was something I believed in. I've got to do something I feel good about. And after that, he sent me out and taught me how to network with people and find out what they did and 
tell them what I was looking for. And people were telling me titles and industries they feel like I would be a fit with, with my five things. And sure. lo and behold, that's how I ended up getting into the search and recruiting business that I've been in for 17 years now. And can tell you, I can't wait to get to work every day because it hits my five things. So right. it, it sounds kind of corny and mm-hmm. unique, but sometimes I don't think when we go to college, you know, we go to school for a certain degree, we go to school and try to get this and that, but we don't really think about who we are as a person and what we need to be happy. And I think that can change throughout your life, mm-hmm. which allows people to go from one career to the next. So used to be people, our parents would have the same career for 20 to 30 years. Yep. Today's average is about six. Now, I am not a proponent for people changing jobs all the time because I do think there's a difference between a job and a career. A job is it pays the bills, you get experience. A career is where you wake up and want to go in every day. And I would one of the things I would focus on if I was somebody going into the career world this year, if they're not happy, why are you not happy? Mm-hmm. Ask yourself on a one to 10 scale on your happiness level. If you're 10, you're probably lying because there's no such thing as a perfect world. Throw the seven out because that's the cop-out answer. Yeah. You know, if, if, if you're an eight below that, you're probably not where you need to be in a career. Right. And it's a good way to gauge it. But then you got to figure out what's missing and what do I need to look for going forward to have a career versus a job. So Totally. Yeah, I think the interesting thing about, you know, b- both things that you guys kind of talked about was not not never once did you really talk about the competencies that you had or the skills that you had or the field that you were in. It was about like you said, what do you need to be happy, right? And you can find that in a lot of different fields, a lot of different industries. And so I think, and especially, I mean, I from personal experience, the fear of changing industries or the fear of changing role, that sometimes I'm sure causes people to not make a change, right? Because they don't know how well they'll, they'll do or what they'll need to figure out. And so I guess, what are some of those challenges? Or if you think back to the moment when you changed your career, when you changed the path that you were on, what were some of the fears that you had? And, and I mean, did they end up being, you know, real fears or, you know, how'd you overcome those? You know, you brought up a really valid point too. And, you know, Chris did as well. There's obviously a difference between a career shift mm-hmm. and a career change. Right. And, you know, when, when someone's assessing that, especially, and, you know, I've worked with a lot of people just in my personal life that have gone through like a transition. I can't tell you how many times after having conversations with them and they've really peeled back the layers what they actually need is a company change. Right. It, it, it's not the work itself, but sure. all of these other factors are ca- causing all of this turbulence of like, okay, I'm not feeling connected. So getting down to that bottom line, finding your motivators. Right. But you know, if you're going through that, and I'll, and I'll take my my situation is how comfortable with risk am I? Because yeah. there's a lot of risk, right? Mm-hmm. It depends, and, and everybody's at different you know points in their career and how many years of experience they have under their belt and education, but it all comes down to, you know, really looking at the reality is you, you have to be practical because if you're going from, you know, hospitality all the way to uh, being a data analyst, you know, data analyst, well, what types of skills transfer over? And so making, depending on how much you have to pivot, there's just going to be more work that naturally goes into it. Does that mean getting more certifications? Does that, I mean, it's a lot of research you're going to have to do. Right. And it requires you to be intentional. You have to be thoughtful. You know, there, I've known people in my life. My, my brother's a great example. I'm going to actually send this to him so he can listen and feel proud of himself. (laughs) 
<laughs> he's a risk taker all day long. He's in the tech industry. And sure. I mean, every two years, you know, for the most part, he's had a great job now, like clockwork. He's up and out because right. he's okay with the risk because the things that motivate <clears throat> and fulfill him, he can get elsewhere. And so he, he's okay with doing that. And he's, you know, he's like, I've set myself up financially. So if I make that transition, I'm going to be okay if I'm right. out of work for three months. Whereas, you know, someone on the opposite spectrum might go, whoa, 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 hold on. I'm not comfortable with risk. I need to be very thoughtful, reflect, do my research before I start navigating this process. Sure. And Chris, I'd be curious on your opinion too. I feel like when people think about career changes, it has to be this overnight thing. Like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm washing my hands, I'm done, and now I'm gonna go, you know, find this new job. And, and again, that goes back to being practical. You know, you might have to start at the bottom again to rebuild the necessary experience. That's a huge fear for a lot of people. It is. Right? And so that be, that becomes a barrier. But right. again, that's what, what risk are you willing to take? Mm -hmm. You know, and let's also be realistic. Depending on what industry you're shifting to and you're starting over, there's a strong chance, not for every scenario, that you might have to take a compensation cut until you work your way back <clears> up. <throat> and that's just only a small piece of it. I mean, there, there are so many other factors. But for me, it was risk. But I knew... Although I, for me, I, I loved my previous job. I loved working in the nonprofit industry. I just knew that long-term it wasn't going to have the the impact that I wanted. And it also wasn't necessarily in the field that I wanted, so. That's great. And a lot of different avenues we yeah, can go off of this so topic. so many different but ways. For myself, I, I guess a fear of getting out of retail when you're in it for 13 years and everybody wanted to hire me and would recruit me for retail, but it's the last thing I wanted to do. My happiness was so low. I had, a, I had a wife and a kid. Yeah. Talk that, about risk. Talk about risk. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're taking a step back. And yep. I've made three career moves. I'll call it that three different industries. And each time I took a step backwards to go forwards. But I think it goes back to what Robbie was talking about. You got to have a lot of confidence. Mm -hmm. And having those five things, th those sound so corny. It's true. I, I use those whenever I got a job offer and promised my friend Tony, who taught me this, and myself, I would not take a career move unless it had four of the five things I was looking for. Or better yet, all five. And he right. promised me if I held out to all five, you're making the right move. I don't care title and I don't care industry. Which brings up kind of a second topic is, Robbie mentioned this, there are only certain career moves that you have to have the education in. Mm -hmm. Lawyer, doctor, I'm not even going to say accounting. And Robbie and I had this conversation the other day. Mm -hmm. Hire the right people. Mm -hmm. You can teach them the skill set. And most kids coming out of college, the largest percentage don't know what they want to do right and again if they can help figure out what it is that would be passionate about <clears throat> company find the right company has the right culture that's going to teach and train them that company should be open to saying we're going to hire the right people teach and train them and we're going to have teach them and find out where their happiness is and make a career based on their strengths and what they're good at and what they enjoy well i think I, simon Sinek, i think says higher <clears throat> attitude you can teach skill exactly right i mean that's yep. at the end of the day so you see that a lot i think uh you know, again, as people go through their careers and that you were talking about the change, you know, mm -hmm. I've seen people, I'm a school teacher and I want to do HR. They can do that. Yeah. Sometimes they can make a pretty lateral move. Mm -hmm. But if you want to change careers completely, that taking a step back to go forward is fine. But you got to find the company that's going to teach you, engage in you, develop you where you can make that money probably more than what you were. But it's going to take a little while to get mm -hmm. there. But if it's a happiness thing... You know, money's not everything. 
smiling and being really good at what you're doing, right. a lot of happiness comes from that. And if you get really good at it, the pay usually follows. Right. Well, and, and with that, those patients, right? I mean, you've got to be, and that's one thing that I, I don't know, I maybe you don't have any patients. To, <laughs> have any patients. I have none. I have no patients. I think, I think I know exactly who I am and what I can bring in this. But at the end of the day, it's, yeah, you gotta, you gotta be patient too. Mm-hmm. If you do make that change, learn that skill and mm-hmm. show the competence. Cause it doesn't matter if you have a good attitude, if you're incompetent, right? So those things, it's not one without the other, mm-hmm. but it's, it's to your point about, you know, bringing on people that are good people and then training them. And so, you know, I guess for, for individuals that may be thinking about this, what are a couple of things that you, you know, you recommended, you know, writing down those five things, right? Maybe assessing your risk. Mm-hmm. What other things would you recommend that people go through or, or, or people they should reach out to when, when deciding this change? Yeah, a couple of things I think everybody should have mentors in life, okay. whether it's a, a parent, a friend, a professor. It could be a lot of different people, somebody that you can open up to and they're there for you and can, can help coach you. You know, I don't consider myself an expert or anything, but when you do something for 17 years, you you hear a lot of different things going on and you yeah. get those experiences and <laughs> you can coach humble. people. Yes, very but, but, you know, one of the big things in today's age and time is everybody thinks they need to make a move right away and they think they need to make more money right away. That's great, but that's probably not who you really are or your top five things. Money is just a short-term fix and it's a job move where if you make that move, you may be tapped out for that new dollar amount for 10 years and never have a new title. Mm -hmm. Where if you stay where you're at and it's a true career and listen to your mentors and within that organization, you could stay there in five years and be making double the money on what you could on that job move and you're going to be happy and you're going to have new titles and they're going to develop you. So I, w- I would caution a lot of earlier in their career people mm-hmm. to really think about what it is, have a good mentor and not make a move just because of money. It's got to be a career move. Again, job, career, and listen to a lot of different people helping you out through that. Quick fix on money isn't going to be the long-term mm-hmm. career path that you probably want to go. I always use the analogy of like, you know, a house on a foundation. Mm-hmm. Okay. If, if the house is breaking down, you can fix it. But if the foundation's broken, you need a whole new house. Right. And I think a lot of times, and you know, I'll use myself as an example. I think Jack, we're relatively close in age and, you know, it, it's natural, like as we progress in our careers to, to have this ambition of like, you know, I need to be at this point by this time and I need to check all these boxes. Not to than, mention what everyone tells you, you <laughs> yes, need to think. It's, right? it's overwhelming, and, right? Yep. Because you have your own perceived timeline that yep. you have this other perceived timeline <clears throat> from other people, albeit your network, your family, and, and there's a lot of pressure. And then let's throw in social media in that mix. And then it's really a hot mess because yep. you get on LinkedIn and you're getting 15,000 different you know posts on everyone telling you what to do and how best to navigate your career. But back to, to Chris's point, having a mentor is going to be critical mm-hmm. because I think a lot of times, you know, so if, if you have someone that's like, okay, I, I don't know if I need to change jobs or I, I need to change industries, careers completely, going down to that bare minimum, like I said earlier, peeling back those layers, like what is my desire to change? Right. And again, like, nothing's a 10. Like you said, Chris, we have bad days. Everybody has bad months, bad weeks. That's natural. It's inevitable. If anyone thinks they're going to work the next 40, 50 years of their life and not have a bad day, 
we need to sit down and have a chat with or them. Tell me a, or if you find <laughs> yes. it, tell me about it. But, you know, if you're still, even through those bad moments, finding that fulfillment in the day-to-day work, again, okay, well, it's not maybe the, the, the type of work the industry needs to change, but it's actually the organization. And I think because of that pressure to have all of that figured out, especially you know, on the campus recruiting side, and we all were in college at one point in time, mm-hmm. we've been there. We're trying to answer a really expensive question. What do you want to do with your life? Well, for yeah. me, it costs $50,000. For Joe Schmo, it cost one hundred and fifty, right? And we're putting all this pressure to have this perfectly crafted blueprint of like, okay, I'm going to graduate this year. Then I'm going to go into this career field for two years. And if it doesn't work out, then I'm going to this. Then I'm doing that. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Find a mentor build your network, get into an organization that values you and and see how it goes. Because, you know, I think Lutz is a really great example of this. We've had people that did one job and said, hey, you know what? It's not really cutting it for me, but there might be something else. And being able to, you know, make that transition internally. But then also a plug for the Lutz talent team. Yes, they're doing a lot of recruiting, but you guys are also acting as career coaches. They do believe truly in finding the best talent and placing them in the best roles. That's going to align with their skills and abilities. I can't tell you how many times I've referred Chris to, to my personal network. By the way, I have someone that wants to talk with you. I was going to say, <laughs> I was gonna say I've yes, done the that's, same. <laughs> that's my plug. But because... And every time he says, sure. He does. He's such a great guy. But... <laughs> and, and having that approach, especially with Let's Talent, like, hey, we're, we're not just a recruiting boutique or a staffing right. boutique that's just trying to place people. No, we want them to be in fulfilling careers. Right. But the only way you're going to be able to do that is through communication and having those mentors and doing your mm-hmm. research. Well, I think the mentorship is such an important piece of this because there is a there's a totally different perspective that a mentor can bring depending on where their, you know, where their life is and where your life is and what their relationship is to you. But on the topic of risk, right? I mean, everyone, when we sit down and try and assessing your own risk doesn't necessarily always work, but when you get to assess your risk within the perspective of someone else's perceived risk, you get to then say, Oh, I really don't have a whole lot of risk going on. I'm good. I can make some change. I can take some chances. Right. And so, I, I mean, I've used that. My, my dad has been huge for that for me where he's like, Hey, at your age at this time, I had two kids and a mortgage and whatever, to your point about having, you know, having a kid on the way. And when, you know, they wanted you to move to a new location. I mean, so being able to sit down and and everything feels risky and Mm -hmm. feels scary, but to sit down and say, well, if something happened, well, what kind of safety net do I have? And what kind of support group do I have? Mm -hmm. And what, I mean, so I think that's huge to have, have, and and to have a mentor that's honest with you, right? I mean, not someone that's just there to make you feel good about Mm -hmm. things, but someone that's there to tell you the the truth. Uh, I think the other thing to remember about career change, we were talking about, you know, your situation or mine. In today's day and age, companies change more than ever. So they get bought and sold, private equity comes in, companies may go away, they might move to a coast. That happens more than ever. And sometimes you're forced to make a career change, even though you were happy. Mm -hmm. But I would take that as an opportunity to say, what was it that I was missing in my last role and what do I need going forward? So sometimes it's a forced career change that you don't want to make. You might have been pretty happy where you're at. But it's an opportunity to kind of reevaluate where you're at in your life, mm-hmm. in your career, and what's next to make sure you go find that right thing too. So that's another reason why the average time frame somebody's with one company is six years versus right. the twenty or thirty. 
they didn't have that back. Those changes weren't happening. That's a great, that's a great perspective though, for, for people out there that may be afraid of that change as a result of maybe a layoff or a, Mm -hmm. what, I mean, that's a great mindset to have going into that to say, no, actually they give me a chance to kind of review where I'm at, what I do and and what I really love to do. Maybe create that list of five things or, or figure out what your priorities are. I guess that from the perspective of this generation and not even just generation, but you know, people you work with, people you see every day, what are some reasons that they choose to, to change their career path, albeit maybe the right reasons or the wrong reasons, if you have any examples of reasons that you, you know of? Well, Les is a little unique, obviously, with all of their divisions, right. all of our divisions. And so I, I will share in the scenarios where we've had someone that's looking for a career shift, it, it really does boil down to the work. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I know we're kind of talking about the the same trends here, but really after some time of doing, you know, we had one individual doing a really great job overall, but it, it wasn't providing any value to them. Sure. They were like, okay, you know what? Yes, I know it. Yes, I can do it. But at the end of the day, if I'm not feeling energized or when I wake up every morning to, to practically go in there and work on this, then that's when it's not just like, hey, I need to change companies, this is actually, I need to change my role and I'm going to start within the organization. You know, and I mentioned that we have a lot of great examples where, mm-hmm. where people have made those, those shifts. You know, we've had people go from bounce back and forth between tech and accounting and, and, and move from, you know, client facing to now working internal accounting. We've had so many. I love seeing it too. I know. It's, it's, it's my great. favorite yeah. because we're just investing in our employees. Right. But that also comes back to, you know, again, fear, right? Yeah. I think there's this huge, and again, I, I, I digress because not every organization approaches things this way, but right. I'm speaking specifically to LUDs is we do want employees to come talk to us, right. truly. We, if, if you're in a spot where, hey, I'm not feeling good, this maybe isn't the right work for me, maybe I'm thinking about something else, I know there's this propaganda or this mindset like, hey, you're going to get kicked out and you're going to be, right. no, 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 no. Right. Now, does that exist at some organizations? Of course. Sure. No, that that's not let's and hopefully, you know, we've proven that over time, but you know, and then we naturally you have some employees that are just like, Hey, you know, I'm completely switching industries. I, mm-hmm. I want to do something else. And so again, we're we're kind of a an anomaly in that space, but we really are. And you know, we hire for a lot of different companies and hear many reasons why people are looking to make a career move. And if I had to say the heartburn, top five heartburn that a candidate would have, why they would look at mm-hmm. something or Number one, they're listening to social media today. So we're in a, the biggest candidate shortage ever. So people are throwing crazy money at people. So they hear about the crazy dollars. So they decide to make a move and it may be just a money fix. And right. they're not they're not getting what they already had, what they were happy doing. Benefits, staying up in the times on the benefits with a really good retirement plan. So security may not exist someday. And I think people are starting to learn, even the younger generation, how important it is for savings. Other than just Social Security, you're going to have to have that to retire. The next one I would say is probably advancement opportunities. You know, they hit a dead end. And if the company's not growing, and there may be nowhere for them to grow. And they, they're just, they want to keep their career going. So that's a big one. Money still is one with this time frame mm-hmm. because of the money people are throwing out. Again, do I think that's right? No. Do I think that's going to change? Probably, you know, the the economy changes, the times change and all that happens. We go through a recession. All of a sudden we have all these overpaid people. 
people should be concerned first tired or last tired first out yeah. might be happening who, who gets who laid knows? off first right and hopefully so, we don't have that yep. scenario right and then i i really think it is we'll call it social media it's just kind of what's going on now. it's the vibe and i don't think it's necessarily true you know everybody wanting to work remote not really i right. agree every company wanting to hire remote there's only a handful of companies in Omaha that are 100% remote. Right. And then those people that did go work remote are missing the culture and missing the people and mm-hmm. missing the camaraderie. Help me out. Camaraderie. Thank you. Um, with people. Important. I mean, it's, it's, it is that way. Right. So what you hear on the street isn't necessarily how it really is. Right. And I think that uh, there's still a lot of that going on why people are making changes, not for the right reasons. So. Well, and everything, everything Chris was saying, Robbie was shaking her head emphatically <laughs> saying, yes. yes, yes. So it's just, it's, I love seeing that because, yeah. you know, clearly as a service line mm-hmm. and let's talent, what you're seeing and what you guys think and what you feel is the same thing that our internal HR team oh, yes. is feeling, which is great. I mean, that's cool to see that it, it, it's, it's really neat to see that, you know, the way that we hire is very unique and the way that Lutz manages culture and, and human resources in general is unique. And that, you know, bleeds obviously into the way that we offer a service that, mm-hmm. that people pay for. Right. And so yeah. that's cool to see, you know, if people, people in the community probably say, man, Lutz is a cool place to work. Yeah. Well, Lutz talent be a cool place to help you help place you somewhere. Cause they're going to find a good place for you. So it's just, and that's the other thing too. I mean, we, you know, we eat our own cooking here just to get off topic a little bit, but it's like, you know, we use tech for tech. We use talent for talent. We use for, I mean, it's, so it's a really unique right. place mm-hmm. where, Hey, we, you know, we sell these services cause we use them. Yes. And our clients do. It's, yeah. It's good for our clients. For yeah. Each and every one of them. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, what else, what, what other comments or tips do you have on, on just kind of the topic of career changes, anything we didn't get a chance to cover? I guess my last piece of advice would be a plug for, you know, so Chris touched on his, you know, five must haves and I wholeheartedly agree. I'm a little bit more strict and I say three, but I will go with five. Five allows for some flexibility. And the reason I go with five is it makes you think deeper. It does. It does. So, so during that self-assessment phase, you know, here at Lutz, we use the, the strengths finder assessment, and that is an absolutely underutilized tool from a candidate candidate's journey. So individual, not associated with any organization, because again, you know, if you're, let's say, you know, in HR and you have a set of skills, but you think they could apply to a different industry and you do your research, but if you don't really have that baseline of like, what are your overall themes and talents, you know, and and having the understanding of like, what does Robbie look like on a day-to-day basis? Like she using her individualization, her strategic is my restorative and problem solving. And, And having that has been critical for even my friends. I've, I've actually bought my friends the top five strengths as a gift because I'm like, it is a gift. It will help you understand. Such a fun, it's such an HR dorky gift to give. Can we cut that hey, out? No, we can't. <laughs> okay. But that's hilarious. But if you think about it though, okay, so here's the prime example. Okay. I have... I'd be so pissed <laughs> if you got me. I mean, it'd be great and I would do it. It'd be wonderful. But no, go ahead. But like, okay, so Chris and I both have individualization. Okay. Right. So we, we look at, Collectively, I'm, I'm simplifying sure. this. Each thing mm-hmm. is its own unique scenario, as well as individuals. So when we work on a process, we can say, well, it depends. Right. Whereas someone on the opposite of that that has consistency really is going to, there's a way to do it, steps, mm-hmm. right or wrong, and they're going to follow that process. I've seen that before, that yes. situation. So yep. if I'm someone that likes consistency, repetitiveness, I'm probably going to fail 
if I'm in a job where there's too much variety, right. that, that would be too much because nothing's consistent. I can't anticipate. Right. And so just, just having that tool or even Myers-Briggs or something like that, and there's a lot of free resources out there that yep. on top of the mentor and doing the research and looking at industries and, you know, there's an occupational, I think it's with the, um, it's an Outlook handbook. It's either with the Department of Labor or the Bureau of Labor Statistics or something. They, they have an, an entire essentially online PDF book that you can go on there and see any type of job that exists. So sure. those are all great. But as a part of that self-assessment, really hone in and understand your skills and your talents because you don't want to mix oil and water trying to, again, repetitive preference. But then you're going into a job that looks different every single day. You're going to be very unhappy. Got to know yourself. Got to know yourself. Self-awareness is key. Well, I would just say to piggyback off that, you know, a topic is should I make a career move? Right. First of all, you got to figure out what your happiness really is. Right. Is it I just had a bad day at work because I don't live in a perfect world? Or is it I'm really that unhappy? You know, so that helping figure out your one to ten if it's below like I said, an eight, I can't use seven because that's a cop out. Yep. Um, <laughs> then then you got to take a hard look in the mirror at yourself. And then you need to say, is it me? Is it the company? Can they change something where I can get it back up there? Don't just give up on what you've got invested. Go talk to somebody and see if there's a better place. Mm-hmm. Or if you've never told them, how do they know? Right. They can't read minds. Right. So give it a shot to stay where you're at. And then if it's unfixable, then it's time to make a career move. And then you know you're making the right decision. Mm-hmm. But until you go talk to a mentor within that organization or a leader, you owe them that. But you most you really owe yourself that to figure out because you'd hate to leave something if it's fixable mm-hmm. where you can really have that career. So I, I would suggest that. And then, again, a lot of people don't take the time. If you're going to really make a, a big jump and go from psychiatrist to HR, which I <laughs> think that's a similar, yeah, You are okay, a psychiatrist every day. <laughs> that's not a going psychiatrist to doctor. There might be a little more entailed to that with more education and stuff. You got to think about the consequences and again, the risk that you brought up, Jack, yep. how far back do I have to go? What are those risks to make that? But sometimes it's worth it for that smile factor. And we work more of our life than we do anything. So you, you, need, you deserve to be happy and you owe it to yourself. Smile factor. Yep. Smile factor. I love it. The smile factor. Focus on that smile factor. That's right. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. We could keep talking about this forever. We got to do this again. We should just do a part two. But thank you guys for joining us. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. You've reached the end of another episode of Let's Talk Business. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your podcast app, Spotify, or iTunes. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to make light.